Welcome to the Pretty Healthy Family Podcast. We're passionate about helping you restore your metabolism for confidence, energy, and fat loss without giving up the foods you love. We're your hosts, Josh and Brittany. Listen for simple, easy-to-follow tips and strategies that you can start implementing today to get long-term results. We're so glad you're here. Let's go ahead and jump into the episode. Welcome back to the Pretty Healthy Family Podcast. Welcome back to the Pretty Healthy Family Podcast. (laughs) Today, we're talking all about the sneaky reasons why you're not seeing weight loss or fat loss or you're not getting results or seeing progress because there are a few things that really stand out for different people that can really impact what's going on. Yeah, and it could be very frustrating Um, (laughs) because there's just so many people who feel like I'm tracking everything, I'm not losing the weight, I'm doing everything right. So what's going on? Because there are sneaky reasons, things that we don't really think about, Mm -hmm. which impact our weight loss. And it's, it's, it's frustrating. And, I, and that's where people just kind of give up and they just say, I, I quit. This is. Mm-hmm. And that's the last I, thing you want. Yeah. You don't want, we don't want, we don't want you to give up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We definitely don't want you to give up. Um, so what's the first one? All right. The first one is, I think the most important one of all, it's unrealistic goals. Because if you don't set realistic expectations for yourself, then you are setting yourself up for failure. Yeah, and that could be in in ways that make this a very sneaky thing that um, becomes frustrating is the amount of social media content or the way we compare ourselves to others, just so much of it just gets ingrained in us. We think, I'm this person, I should look like that person. I'm doing their workouts, I'm eating like they do, Mm -hmm. but... We also have different genetics. We're going to form muscle in different ways. It's going to, weight's going to look different on different bodies. So having unrealistic expectations around what your body can accomplish can be very frustrating. Mm -hmm. And also setting unrealistic goals in terms of what you're able to follow through with. Because if you go in with that all or nothing mentality, chances are you're going to end up with nothing because it is physically impossible for you to do it all. Mm-hmm. And especially I know like from speaking as a woman, like we're expected to run a household, get dinner on the table, clean a house, uh, maybe raise a family and be a good parent and keep a job. And then we're also supposed to look a certain way. So that means you want me to show up at the gym five days a week and you want me to eat healthy every single day. And for my whole family, like that's just not realistic. So you need to set realistic goals and expectations in order to be able to actually follow through them, which leads us to our next point, which is consistency. Because if you're unable to be consistent in the long run, then it's going to be hard for you to see progress. Yeah. And that's where setting realistic goals come into play. Mm -hmm. And a small step that you can do consistently is way better than these huge leaps that you can do for maybe one week, two weeks, but then you're frustrated, you're super stressed out, and you end up binge eating and then quitting after two to three weeks. That's why we see most diets fail in that two to three week time frame is everyone gets really excited in the new year. But as soon as that kind of newness wears off, they realize this is just too much to juggle week to week to week for mm-hmm. the entire year because that's what it's going to take is an entire year. They're realizing that I can't keep up with this consistency. So setting more realistic goals is going to help that consistency. 
And putting that into perspective, you can take that for something as simple as your step goal. If you're only hitting 6,000 steps right off the gate, you can't say, okay, I'm going to hit 10,000 steps going forward every single day. Yeah. You're probably not going to hit 10,000 steps. So maybe just increase by 1,000 steps. And once you're hitting that goal consistently week after week after week, then you can increase another 1,000 and continue to increase and build on that. Let those become habits. And that way you can be consistent over the long run. Yeah, I like that. And even with the 10,000 steps idea is I feel like people just come home from work. They look at their watch. They think, I have 3,000 steps in. So that means I need to walk for the next hour and a half to get to 10,000 steps. And instead, choose maybe bite-sized chunks where between, let's say, breakfast and lunch, get 20 minutes of walking, 10 to 20 minutes of walking. Maybe after lunch, get another 10 to 20 minutes of walking. And then right after you get home, just to kind of relax, maybe play around with the kids, go for a walk with them, another 10 to 20 minutes using bite-sized chunks throughout mm -hmm. the day, you'll end up with eight to 10,000 steps and you haven't really even given it any thought. So rethinking some of those goals will help you be consistent, but you have to have realistic goals to start with. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Our next point is perhaps incorrect tracking. And that could be with measuring, with weighing, maybe you're not measuring, measuring or weighing, and it's not always necessary, but sometimes it is because you may not really understand where, how much you're actually eating if there is no, um, none of that going on upfront, if you're not actually weighing or measuring from the get-go to kind of like really learn how much is actually in your food. Yeah, I'm not a person who's gonna ever weigh and measure the food. <laughs> And I do this and the, the thing that I always think about with weighing and measuring your food is like peanut butter, mm -hmm. like a serving of peanut butter. What I would put into my fitness pal would be one serving. One serving is usually one tablespoon. I look at one tablespoon. I'm like, there's no way I'm only going to eat one tablespoon. Like <laughs> this is going to be like three to four on whatever I'm, I'm having, but it's that type of lack of weighing and measuring, that's where calories are coming in that I'm not particularly tracking. Mm -hmm. And that's where the extra weight that isn't coming off. It's the, maybe it's butter, maybe it's something else where it's just slightly above the serving size that we're putting into my fitness pal. Over time, a little bit, let's say it's 20% more every single time. That's three, 400 calories could be in a given day. That's a pound every month. Yeah. And you don't, like you said, you don't even necessarily have to weigh or uh, measure these things, but you need to be aware of your bites, your licks, your taste. Are you, you eating your, your partner or your friend's food after a few bites of their food after they finish up off their plate and then not taking that into account? Are you going for that spoonful of peanut butter or are you walking by the pantry and grabbing a couple chips? All of those things need to be accounted for because they add up to be so much more than you realize perhaps. And that could be what's keeping you from either losing weight or causing you to perhaps gain weight when you don't mean to, because you think you're staying, you're hitting your calorie goals, but maybe you're not. Yeah. And even things like maybe some oil to help uh, cook a certain mm -hmm. dish. Um, that's, that's another a, sneaky one. That's <laughs> another sneaky one where like, it's just w the way we cook and the calories for like maybe a cooked potato are different than the calories for a raw potato. Obviously no one's eating raw potatoes, but yeah, raw sweet potatoes are 
And not, not bad. <laughs> Beg to differ on that one. Hopefully it doesn't show up on dinner, dinner one day. Um, but like there are calorie differences, but I can guarantee no one's problem is, well, I, I weighed it raw at this and there's this many calories. I weighed it after and it's that many. And that's where the sneaky calories are coming in. It's mm-hmm. probably what you're cooking with that particular meat or dish. Um, it's a slightly larger portion size than what you're tracking. Um, because calories most of the time don't just sneak in there without us doing something to mm-hmm. sneak them in. <laughs> All right. Our next point is restricting your food during the day. And then in turn, you end up eating a lot more at night than you planned on in the first place. This is why it's so important for you to fuel your body and help yourself feel full. Otherwise, those hunger signals get really loud in the evening and can lead you to overeat unintentionally when otherwise you maybe you wouldn't have. Yeah. And this is why I hate fasting. And the main reason why is just people tend to not eat during the mornings and I can guarantee most people who aren't eating during the morning, they weren't eating before. Now they just call it fasting because it was just, I'm it's not trendy. hungry. It's trendy. Um, but it's more just, I don't make the time to cook a breakfast. Um, but the main thing is I feel like I'm doing really well on my diet. Then I open up that feeding window and I'm almost overeating to compensate for the lack of eating in the morning And it's usually with very calorie dense foods that aren't the best for your overall health and energy. And then once your energy kind of takes a nosedive, let's say I ate way too big of a meal for that first meal out of the day, my energy just drops two hours later. I'm grabbing for something that's very calorie dense Mm -hmm. or a coffee at 2 p.m. And then all of a sudden that turns into more calories that I wouldn't have consumed if I would have just had a sensible breakfast, a sensible lunch, maybe a snack during the day and a sensible dinner. Mm-hmm. So it's the lack of eating on one side cause you to overcompensate on the other side. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then I think this is a big one. Our next point is uh, not considering your weekends. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people, they do so well eating during the week and they're hitting all their goals. They're eating healthy. They're feeling really good. And then the weekend comes, they're like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to let down my hair. I'm going to enjoy myself a little bit. And then they just end up eating so much more food than they anticipated. And it's just because they... Oftentimes, they either restricted too much during the week or on the weekends, they're just not being honest with themselves about their lifestyle and maybe something needs to change in order to to start turning that around because you end up overeating and then those calories end up sticking in the end and you end up not being able to see progress or lose weight. Yeah, I think it's just so easy to go over your calories on the weekend. We've talked about how the average meal at a restaurant is around 1200 calories, whether it's a salad or a steak, it's around 1200 calories. So if you factor in maybe a cool brunch with a mimosa, that's 12 to 1500 calories. And then maybe around one or two, you're, you're grabbing lunch and having a couple beers. That's another 1200 (laughs) calories to 1500 calories. And if you're the person that needs to be in a slight like deficit or a cut and your, your goal is 1800 calories and you're already at 3000 because you had a fun brunch and an, and a, a good lunch afterwards. And then you still haven't had dinner yet. 
that's where you're going from maybe I'm doing great on the week, 1,500, 1,600, 1,800 calories during the week, but it's still 3,000 on the weekend. You're never going to see the the progress that you want to see because there's just so these massive meals on the weekend. Which brings us to our next point, which is alcohol, because alcohol is empty calories. So if you are someone who is tracking your macros and you're not looking at your calories as much, you because alcohol is empty calories, you could accidentally go way over your ca- your calories and think you're still in your target zone because they're empty. There are no macros. in alcohol. So it's really important to track it correctly or be extremely mindful of how much you're drinking and how much that is impacting. Yeah. And they do make some low calorie alcohol alternatives. And some people even go to like liquor because it tends to be a little bit lower in calories. Where I get more concerned is I understand, let's say I'm having a couple of beers and I'm factoring in that to my overall calorie count. But what are some of the decisions you're making when you start being a little bit intoxicated? Mm-hmm. Because that pizza looks a lot better after a couple beers than it did before the beers. So my overall decision making is slightly impaired after I've had a couple drinks. And especially the next day, I'm not fully recovered and being 41 years old, Two days later, I'm still not f- fully recovered. <laughs> so on Monday, when my goal is to hit the workout as hard as I can to really push my health to that next level, I'm not recovered because I decided to have four, five, way too many beers on Friday mm-hmm. or Saturday. So it's also the calories that you're consuming the day of, but it's taking that bigger scope and thinking, what are the decisions are what's being impacted by my decision today, that could be two to three days down the road. The other thing that's, I just want to put um, some perspective on is why are you drinking? Mm -hmm. Are you drinking because you're anxious or you're, you have anxiety, you're trying to, like you said, let the, your hair down. Are you too stressed during the week? So I'm reaching for alcohol as that escape. And that comes back to how stress really dictates most of the decisions that we end up making. Let's start a better stress mitigation routine during the week that may result in less drinks on the weekend. Absolutely. I love that. Um, And you already touched on our last point a little bit, which is eating out. But I want to look at it from a different perspective in the sense that you said that Eating out is, we know, is to around 1,200 calories per meal. So if you're someone who eats out consistently during the week and you're someone who actually tracks really well, there's a good chance if you're eating out consistently that you are still not tracking the correct amount that you're actually eating. Your macros are going to be off. Your calories are going to be off because even if you're doing a really, really good tra- good job tracking, it's not going to be correct. <laughs> Yeah. And and there's no way to really master this because even if there are calories on the menu, they have the allowance to be slightly off. And the chef is not in the back just recreating it to be the exact (laughs) calorie count that may be on the menu. So yes, we do encourage you to prioritize proteins, prioritize prioritize non-starchy vegetables when going out to eat. However, you also have to factor in there's probably a little bit more contingency that you need in that calorie allotment because it's eating out. And that may mean that you have a lighter lunch or breakfast or it could mean that you're adding 2000 or 
yeah, maybe potentially 2,000 steps to your overall um, step goal because there is a little bit higher of a calorie consumption because of eating out. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, what would you say are the sneakiest reasons in your experience that people may not see progress? It's it's the weighing and measuring. Yeah. Um, and, and just not realizing how um, snacking is probably the biggest one. Um, when we think I'm grabbing a handful of potato chips, well, that handful of potato chips was probably three handful of potato chips. So uh, a good rule of thumb that I like to do is I'll take out, let's say pretzels. Pretzels are the thing that I love to, to snack on, but I'm putting them in a bowl um, where I can manage the size and the quantity and I'm putting the rest back. Because if I didn't, I would just continually snack on those. Mm-hmm. And especially... Um, like popcorn is the new favorite snack where we'll watch TV and just grab that popcorn. Mindless eating. Mindless eating. <laughs> um, and that's where a lot of the calories seem to come for a lot of the clients that I have too. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. And also unrealist, setting unrealistic goals that all or nothing mindset is a huge one that really um, can inhibit progress. I think that's a huge one and also eating out for obvious reasons. And also I really think that you need to like look at the whole picture and be honest with yourself and try to understand where are you not seeing progress? Because in the end, it does fall on you. So are you blaming other people for what you're, what you're, for the results that you're not seeing? Are you blaming yourself? Cause we don't want blame to be the reason why you're not seeing progress. We just want you to be honest with yourself and just take a good look and maybe look at these different points and see what is going on in your life. Where could where could you do a little bit better this time and then a little bit better next time? Yeah, and I think that just goes back to something we say a lot, but it's really hard to do is like the weight on the scale, the measurements you're taking, these are just numbers and it's information that we're gathering to make better decisions in the future. I know it's hard not to get your feelings wrapped up in why a weight or a number isn't going in the direction that you want it to go, but it's just information. And what we do with that information, that's where our power comes in. But I I, I just find it hard, and I do this myself, where I look at certain information and I'm, I get frustrated that it's not going in the direction instead of saying, this is just information that does it. It's not good or bad. Mm-hmm. It's just telling me what's going on. And then I can use that information, hopefully with a coach, to assess how I can get it in the direction that I want to go. Mm-hmm. And then again, just to plug what we do, um, <laughs> this is where coaches really shine. Yes. And And we know based on the data that you are far more likely to be successful to reach your goals when you work with a coach. Yeah. And I mean, I I can tell you all day about how great our workout programs, (laughs) how great our nutrition programs are, but especially with AI being so great these days, those programs are going to be just as good. But what those programs can't do is interpret the data to you as a person and say, maybe this is your problem or this is the issue we need to work on because it's the interpretation of data is where the value of the coach really comes in. Mm -hmm. Well said. All right. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time. See you next time. 
If you know you're ready to lose weight and build muscle while simultaneously improving your relationship with food, but would love some additional support, we're here to help you. We know that dieting too strictly for too long can slow your metabolism and we can help you restore it with our proven PHF method. We've helped hundreds of others reach their physique and health goals without having to give up the foods they love or constantly being on a diet. And we'd love to help you too. Fill out the obligation-free application in the show notes or at prettyhealthycoaching.com.